Well, you didn't answer my question. Are you happy? Of course I'm no happy. Look at me, I'm a big fat slob. I've got bigger titties than you do. I've got more chins than a Chinese phone book. I've not seen my willy in two years, which is long enough to declare legally dead. I can't stop eating. I eat because I'm unhappy. And I'm unhappy because I eat. It's a vicious cycle. Welcome to Narratively Speaking, the podcast that explores the power of story in all its forms, its role in society, and how it helps to shape the ideas we think we believe in. I'm your work in progress host, Harv, and I wonder if there'll ever be a point where I'm, you know, where I don't need to say that I'm work in progress. Like, like we'll actually get to a point where like, we've figured all this stuff out, and now we know for sure that story is indeed the meaning of life, and we're just part of a cosmic experiment where we're all just fragmented pieces of God consciousness distributed throughout an existential simulation, running on a substrate to facilitate the ultimate supreme entity experiencing itself subjectively through suffering and challenge, and that our reason for being is to take the little bits of solar energy we have beamed to us from the sun and filter it through our own subjective experience for the purposes of developing an individual story that forms a mere particle of the collective knowledge and understanding of beings of infinite intelligence and complexity on a higher plane that we can neither glimpse nor visit nor understand. And it may not surprise you to learn that I had to write that bit down. But uh, yeah, there's a hypothesis for you. It uh, doesn't really make a great deal of sense. It's a whole bunch of jumbled uh, keywords and, and, and buzzwords in pseudoscience and uh, philosophy. But why not? Why not? It's, it's probably, that's, that's my Bible right there. That's that's better than the Bible, actually, because, you know, you don't have to read all the, the baguettes and all the fucking bullshit that goes on. Uh, you know, I mean, who starts a book with a fucking family tree? It's ridiculous. So, um, you know, I didn't get through it, to be honest. Maybe it gets better, but uh, probably not. Probably not. Whoever wrote it, if it was, you know, if it was God or disciples or apostles, or I don't even know what, they, what those things are, but um, whatever it was, you know, take a class, buddy. So I'm back after a couple of weeks off, and uh, for the first time, I was actually looking forward to this, uh, you know, instead of dreading it. And maybe I'm turning a corner, and maybe that's a good thing for you, because that might mean that this show will actually become good. So that, there's something. I mean, I obviously, no promises. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, you know, within a window of uh, the amount of effort and time I'm willing to put in. Um, wow, this was a low point. This is the worst part of the podcast ever. So better to just move along. So today we're talking about uh, food, nutrition. Sounds like a pretty dry topic, but we're going to approach it from the stories that we tell ourselves about these things, as we always do, and the mythos that's created around uh, diet and so on. And it's one of those areas that, my God, is it confusing. You, if you can work out uh, what's good for you and what's bad for you on even a basic level, 
by reading the internet or watching YouTube videos or even consulting dietitians and doctors, then you're a fucking genius because there is so much conflicting information out there that um, I, I, I honestly think it is impossible to, to do it without just choosing a team, saying, I'm going with Team MD. They say calories in, calories out, micronutrients, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to go with that. And it's it's completely faith-based if you can come to any kind of a resolution. If you listen to all the sides and try to resolve uh, you know, one truth out of all of the stories that we're told, you will fail because uh, they contradict each other on a level that um, is pretty much unparalleled in all of information throughout the ages. It's not being overly dramatic. Uh, it really is just crazy. And in light of that, I would just like to preface this entire presentation with the acknowledgement that I am not an expert on diet and nutrition. I'm talking more from a personal perspective of my own journey and understanding and how it's changed through my life. And it does not constitute medical advice by any means. And as we go through, you'll see you should not uh, use anything that I say as medical advice. In fact, it's probably a good rule of thumb for the entire podcast. So just, you know, don't take my advice for anything ever. Now, it's become a bit of a cliche to say things like, you know, you are what you eat and all that kind of stuff. And like many cliches, it's somewhat of a truism. And it's one that's kind of interestingly in line with what we talk about on this podcast, uh, about the stories that you input into your mind, influencing your consciousness. In the same way, the food that you put into your body influences what your body becomes. However, like many things in life, there's a couple of gray areas surrounding that. And it appears that these stories around diet and nutrition aren't as simple as calories in, calories out, eat fat, get fat, or eat cholesterol, get heart attack. And I think science is still just running to catch up, which proves, I think, how complicated this all is, because uh, surely by now science could have worked this out. And it's just fascinating to me that we've gone on this long without an answer, although we haven't been without an answer. It's just that the answer keeps changing over time. We, we had the answer, you know, 50 years ago, it was, you know, eat fat, get fat, eat sugar, get fat, um, stop doing that and you'll lose weight. Calories in, calories out, uh, do some exercise, stop eating cake and you'll be fine. But if we have the answer, why the hell is there an obesity epidemic, at least in Western culture? You know, what? why is cancer still supposedly on the rise? And I say supposedly because I don't really know, but it just seems like it's everywhere at the moment. What about uh, autism? What about diabetes? Like, why are these things? They just seem like they're everywhere at the moment and uh, we can't escape them. And to be honest, uh, you know, I, the way I look at it, if you're not a conspiracy theorist when it comes to diet, then you're probably not thinking about it very much because the amount of misinformation, disinformation, poor information, or just plain bad information that's out there is is it just can't be just people being stupid. There has to be some reason why we're not getting the dietary information that we need to be healthy. But the current climate of diet, I don't know if you guys are out there reading about this stuff, but I am, and it's it's one of my areas of interest. And I can tell you there's just no agreement on anything. 
But there, it appears that this is a question that's very, very hard to answer one way or another. And I've certainly found that reflected throughout my life. Uh, I've always been a chubby kid, although it's quite amusing now. Uh, I look back on you know photos of myself when I was a kid and oh yeah, I had a bit of puppy fat on, but man, I would love to be, <laughs> I would love to have that percentage of body, body fat back again. I'll tell you, um, you know, I'm a big guy. Um, I have been for a while. I've been slowly self-inflating uh, throughout my life, like a jumping castle. And uh, it seems to me, no matter what I try or what I do, I just cannot stop the momentum going in that direction of getting bigger and bigger. And it's, it's, it's frustrating and confusing and annoying. Um, I don't let it bother me too much. I'm not really depressed about being overweight. I'm quite at peace with it. Um, I don't particularly like seeing myself naked in the mirror, but uh, you know, there's, there's other things that might cause that too. My leprosy, for instance. Um, it's, it's a rare disease, but I, you know, I've got a touch of it. Um, whoop, hang on. Just lost a limb. Shit. That's going to make things a lot harder. Um, might need some help doing the shopping now. Anyway, um, that, that stuff aside, uh, my personal journey has been uh, certainly one of confusion. And, uh, I, you know, I don't consider myself a stupid person. Like, I'm not a complete idiot. I do have the, the ability to research things occasionally and, you know, work out uh, an answer for myself. But I find that I've done that in phases through my life and uh, have ended up just completely believing different things the more I research. I'm in a current phase at the moment. I'm doing like the um, high fat, low carb diet thing. I'm not eating any sugar, not eating any carbohydrates, no rice, no grains, certainly no sugar. Fuck sugar, man. That's definitely, everybody says that's a problem. And I'm getting some okay results. I think I've lost about five kilos in a few weeks. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not in any particular rush. As long as it goes in that direction, I'm pretty happy with that. But let's start at the start. And, and we'll work our way to, to how I got to this, what's considered now, I think, a pretty radical diet, uh, in fact, and all of the phases of belief, the stories that I've believed in so far. Um, I'll try and go through it quickly because I know that sounds like it's going to be my fucking life story and no one wants that. No one wants this podcast to be about me, uh, least of all me, because uh, I think listening to it would become insufferable. Although I bet you're still wondering if I really do have leprosy. I'm going to leave it as a mystery. So... So let's just go through a few of these diet fad type things that uh, that I've subscribed to in the past. So, you know, we've got the low fat, low sugar thing. Uh, this is what I believed in when I was a kid. And uh, I, when I felt like I was getting a little bit chubby or more to the point, the other kids at school told me I was getting fat. Strangely enough, even though when I look back at the photos, I don't think I really was that fat. But anyway, they put the idea in my head and I decided to embark on a diet um, and all I did was eat a lot of celery sticks and, uh, you know, basically avoid all fat and sugar. And lo and behold, it worked. It was actually really easy. And I got it in my head somewhere at that point that I could just lose weight whenever I needed to. So I could pretty much just eat anything I wanted. If I started to put on a bit of weight, I'd just take some time to do a bit of a diet and get rid of that. And boy, was that an, you know, a damaging story to believe in. Because uh, it turns out that every time I tried to diet, it got more difficult to lose weight. And there's some science behind that that we'll go through a little bit later. But um, there, there's some logical reasons why that might be 
the case. Anyway, in that case, calorie restriction worked. Calories in, calories out, uh, and and everything was successful and peaceful in the world. Now, I think I was around probably, I don't know, 14 or 15 at the time. I, I don't really know for sure, actually. I, I, my, my memories of childhood are very fragmented and vague. The next thing that I remember being significant was when I discovered, you know, the vegetarian, vegan diet. Um, I had a friend who was a vegan uh, on ethical grounds, but also argued with me that uh, human beings are not supposed to eat meat. And that, uh, in fact, when we do eat meat, it's scavenging behavior and it leads to us acting on more of our base instincts. He even took it that far. It's like reverting back to being a caveman. But that ideally, and in a perfect world, we would survive only on plant-based foods. I found it a really, really interesting argument. And, you know, I, I went back to the internet and came back to him with the, well, why do we have canine teeth and all that? And he'd, he'd come back to me and say, well, the canine teeth aren't very effective. And we actually have a lot of trouble eating meat in comparison to, say, a lion or, you know, an animal that's, that's clearly adapted to be a carnivore. And uh, I was just never quite really um, swayed by that argument. I found it really interesting to talk about, but I wasn't exactly won over by it. Now, when you talk about veganism on ethical grounds, I'm completely on board with that. Um, I'd love to stop the suffering of animals. I think it's disgusting what happens in the factory farms. And, um, and, and to be honest, the only way I can get through life uh, eating meat is by not looking at that. And that is disgusting and um, hypocritical. And I know that, and it's something uh, that I'd have to work on myself. You know, I, it's something that I don't respect about myself because I believe in something that I don't act on. Um, but at this point in my life, my focus is on health first. And, and as sad as that is that, uh, you know, that I don't feel that I can afford to stop the suffering of another being because I need to work out what my own health is. Um, you know, the, I guess that's just survival instinct kicking in, isn't it? So, you know, once I work out what's healthy, if I can work out a way to do it that's ethical as well, I will. I will absolutely do that. Um, but to be honest, right now, I'm doing exactly the opposite of what's ethical. So as I say, I completely admit I'm a complete hypocrite and uh, you'll get no argument out of me. You know, lay it on me. Um, if you happen to be vegan and you're offended by any of the stuff that I say, um, I'm just trying to find the truth, man. So let's just agree to uh, follow our own journeys and and work it out for ourselves. Um, but I really do respect people who have the ability to go fully vegan and fully ethical and live their convictions. I, you know, I hope one day I can do that too. Now on veganism, um, I actually had a friend who lost a lot of weight. He went through quite a transformation. He was getting quite big and uh, and lost a lot of weight on veganism. So there was a point where my interest in that was renewed just based on the health issues. Um, and of course it appeals because you get the ethical stuff as a bonus. So, I, I you know, I started moving uh, towards a plant-based diet and I kept that trajectory for probably 10 years at least. Um, and it got to the point where I was living in the Philippines and I was eating only vegetables pretty much. Um, you know, occasionally I'd have a bit of meat here and there, but, but I was transitioning and I, I thought this is a good way to do it. You do it over a period of a couple of years, your body gets to adjust to the different diet, uh, slowly and, um, you know, you won't get into health issues and whatever. And I was moving towards that. 
Now, I didn't lose any weight. Uh, the more the more I went towards uh, vegetarianism and veganism, uh, it made no difference at all to my weight. In fact, I kept gaining. Um, and I was able to sort of look at that and go, well, you know, I'm still I'm still drinking quite a lot alcohol wise. So that's probably the reason if I just cut out alcohol, this would probably result in some weight loss. And the thing that I found the most was I became a lot smarter um, getting all of the nutrients from the plant based diet definitely made me feel smarter, more alert. Uh, it kept my energy regular. There wasn't so much of the peaks and crashes type behavior that you get when you, you get, you're having a lot of sugar in your diet. Um, same type of peak and crash that you get from alcohol though, of course. And I got that in the evenings and then I'd wake up and go back to being slightly healthy again and then feeling like shit. Um, alcoholism is a completely separate topic that we will leave for another podcast. Uh, maybe when I'm ready to talk about it a bit more. Um, and, you know, I, I had lots of friends try different stuff. Um, you know, the Atkins diet came up during that time, which is uh, a high protein type thing where you're eating, you know, you're basically just eating a lot of meat and fat. Um, and that was interesting to me. I, I never tried it, though, because when I researched it, I, I heard uh, a, a very logical argument about um, high protein diet causing cancer. And that kind of made sense to me because the argument was if you, you know, protein is the building blocks of cells, essentially. So if you eat a lot of protein, your body goes into a building mode. And the more cells that you're building, the more likely you are to build cancerous cells. And if you get something go wrong with that, there's no time when your body's in the maintenance mode to try and uh, repair cells or remove cells that are damaged. And two of the friends that I knew of that did this high protein type diet, you know, where they were going to the gym and, uh, you know, doing all of those protein shakes and so on, um, two of them lost a testicle over it. Um, and they attributed it pretty much to the high protein diet. And it sounded logical to me and it's completely unscientific, but I decided never to try that Atkins diet. I just, uh, I just stayed away from it for that reason. Um, I got into intermittent fasting several years ago. I watched a movie, I think it was called Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead, where a guy discovered uh, intermittent fasting. Um, and for a while I was doing uh, uh, two days off, five days on weekly fasting. So I wouldn't eat on Monday and Tuesday, basically. Um, and that worked out okay, but I didn't really lose any weight. And so once again, I looked at the alcohol and I thought, yeah, that's got to be it. I'll need to give up the precious amber liquid. So um, I cut out the alcohol thinking, finally, here we go. I've got the diet sorted. All I have to do is cut out the alcohol and the weight will just drop away like magic. The funny thing is it didn't. And this is where I started to get a little bit disillusioned and look for less conventional answers because I could take uh, I think, you know, the longest I ever went was two months without a drink and didn't lose a single, single gram of weight. Um, I, I looked more healthy, admittedly. I, I noticed health impacts, but not the weight. And I started reading articles saying, basically, it's impossible to lose weight. Once you put it on, your fat cells exist. You know, they've been created and uh, you're going to fill them up again, no matter what you do, even if you manage to drain those fat cells. It's only going to take, you know, a 10% slip in your diet to fill them all right back up again. And that's why people 
go on diets and put on the weight again immediately after the diet because it's so much easier to put on the weight once you've done it once than it is to lose it. And, uh, you know, I read this one article, it just, it just, oh my God, it just shattered me. It basically said if you're not willing to put in at least two hours in the gym every single day of your life, after you've hit a certain weight and you've had that weight on for long enough, and I think the article said like two years, you'll never be able to lose it unless you're willing to commit to a life of suffering, doing exercise that's a ridiculous amount for any human being. And at the time I was trying to be creative because I'd, I'd improved my diet to the point where my brain was working really well and I wanted to do creative things again. The idea of sacrificing two hours a day, well, that was my creative time. So I had to make a choice at that point. Do I give up the creativity just to be healthy or do I be creative for as long as I can, getting gradually less healthy and die, but with a body of work or creativity or whatever you want to call it that I'm proud of? And I had to think about, well, what am I here for? What is the purpose of my life? Is it to look good and get girls? Is it to live 10 years longer so that I can create more stuff in those 10 years? That I can generate more wisdom? Is it learning? And I decided, as I always have through my life, to prioritize the creativity. Um, and I think at that point, after that experiment failed of quitting alcohol and eating mostly vegetables, uh, I basically just gave up. I did maintain the diet, but I didn't really think there was an answer until more recently when I started to come across some uh, YouTubers and so on, um, and, and information seemed to be coming to me, like presenting itself to me in a way um, that contradicted uh, some of the beliefs that I'd had that were, well, basically the opposite of the beliefs that I'd held up until that point. And I got renewed interest in changing my diet again. So how many different stories is that that I believed in? It was like, you know, life, I guess, you know, vegetarianism, Atkins, intermittent fasting, high fat, low carb. You know, you got like five separate stories there that I was told about how your body works. And that's how I related to this information. That's why a logical argument in some cases was enough for me to even make radical changes to my diet because I picture this stuff in my head as a story. You know, my organs are all characters in the story. My bowels, you know, just a little guy struggling to get some nutrients out and then squeeze my shit through uh, these pipes. And in my head, this is all just a story. And, you know, if someone would tell me, well, this, this causes this organ to do that and then this organ feels this way and does that and whatever, and, you know, we anthropomorphize all of this process, suddenly, because I can visualize it easier, it gets my buy-in. Uh, it starts to make sense in my head. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll follow it. I'll give it a go. Recently, the carnivore diet has become quite popular, thanks in part to the famous University of Toronto professor Jordan Peterson, as well as his daughter Michaela, having used this meat-only diet to alleviate certain health issues. And she said to me, um, quit eating greens. And I thought, oh, really? I'm eating cucumbers, lettuce, broccoli, and chicken and beef. It's like, I have to cut out the goddamn greens? It's like, within a week, I was 25% less anxious in the morning. Within two weeks, 75%, and I've been better every single day. Uh, disclaimer number two, I am not recommending right. this to anyone. Needless to say, this diet steps on a lot of toes, especially if you happen to advocate for a plant-based diet. Even if you're on a low-carb or keto diet, 
This might sound extreme considering you can't even have avocados or macadamia nuts. Dr. Sean Baker, a big carnivore diet advocate, has been on the diet for about seven years and runs a website called meatheals.com. As of August the 26th, 99 people have shared their stories of how they improved their health by eating only meat, healing things like depression, various gut issues, and rheumatoid arthritis. With 77 of them experiencing weight loss, 61 of them commenting on improved mood, and 31 people seeing improvements in their skin. And there are plenty more stories to be found elsewhere on the internet. So here we are. I got uh, I came across this carnivore diet thing. Completely counterintuitive, completely the opposite of everything that I've ever been taught. And you had people coming out of the woodwork saying, yep, uh, try the carnivore diet. And it had all sorts of health benefits. Um, there's this guy called the Vegetable Police on YouTube. Great channel. Check it out. He's very funny. Um, and he he was a vegan. You know, his channel's called the Vegetable Police, for fuck's sake. And uh, while he was struggling with a whole bunch of health issues that he had with uh, digestion and uh, skin breakouts and so on, out of desperation, he secretly tried this carnivore diet and eventually came out of the woodwork and said, listen, uh, you guys are going to hate me because his audience is vegan, but I tried this carnivore diet and it's really good. It's helped. Uh, a lot of my problems have cleared up and I've never felt so good. And so I had all these things bombarding me and I thought, fuck it, right, fine. Try the carnivore diet, see what happens. I don't really have like uh, autoimmune problems and stuff like a lot of the people talk about. So, But I do have arthritic pain because I had um, rheumatic fever when I was 30. You're supposed to get it when you're eight, but I'm a dickhead and got it when I was like 30. And I thought, well, maybe it'll help that. Uh, maybe it'll help me with my digestion. I don't digest too well. So I've been doing that for the last few weeks, lost a bit of weight, feel really good, feel smarter, um, smell funny, and yeah, pretty much everything that they said was going to happen has exactly happened. And so I've been researching as I've been doing it, because I'm not, I'm not intending to do this forever or for this to be like my diet. I just wanted to give it a go to experiment. And I've settled on this. I think Really what I'm doing is more of the high-fat, low-carb diet. I think the lack of carbs is really the main thing that's driving what makes me feel better and higher energy and uh, all that sort of thing. So I'm reintroducing plants. I don't hate the plants. I love the little fellas, you know, love a bit of broccoli. Um, just avoiding the, the the sugary plants, you know, like a carrot actually has a fair bit of sugar in it. So I'll probably not go back to carrots. Uh, probably steer, steer clear of potatoes with their with their starches and so on. But you know, the 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 ones that um, that are generally you know low carb, I will reintroduce and try and find a balance there. Keep the carbs low, uh, keep the protein moderate, and get most of my calories from fat. Um, because that's basically what the keto diet is all about. And the keto diet to me has a story that makes sense. Not that uh, calories in, calories out doesn't make sense. It does, but it's a component of it. And it's a component of the high fat, low carb diet as well, because the story of the high fat, low carb diet is that you can restrict your caloric intake by eating foods that satiate you better right? So it does two things. One is you eat less calories just naturally 
because you don't feel like eating. You can, you're not going to eat 10 steaks in a row. No one's going to do it, right? No one's going to eat, you know, 10 pounds of lard. It's disgusting. And the other thing it does, apparently, which science doesn't necessarily agree with, is it activates your um, ketone producing process. You know, you go into ketosis, you start burning fat, and your body stays in that mode. So when you do have a caloric deficit, you will lose weight. You'll burn your body fat immediately. There'll be no adjustment period when you're coming out of these high carb things. And it makes sense, you know, um, seasonally speaking, we probably would have only really got uh, like large amounts of sugar during times when there was fruits that were ripe and so on and so forth. You know, we wouldn't really be able to sustain this high sugar diet in the natural world and our bodies just aren't adapted to it. That makes sense, doesn't it? That's a good story. Um, look, I had a lot planned for this episode. We've hit the half hour point here and I really don't want this podcast to go longer. In fact, anyone who's given me feedback has said, can you make it shorter? Could you get it down to maybe zero minutes, ideally? Just stop doing it is what I mean. But um, yeah, so I won't go into some of the other stuff that I wanted to talk about, but I'll, I'll raise a few questions. The fact that this is such a difficult journey for so many people, to me, implies more questions than it answers. So why did the diet story keep changing? Was that just a function of people trying to make money, coming up with the next diet thing? Or was there some other agenda at play here? Is there, is there some reason why we're not allowed to know what a good diet is? Is it an elite conspiracy? Are uh, they trying to dumb us down? You hear that all the time in the conspiracy world, right? They're trying to dumb down the population. They're trying to make us all idiots and whatever. Is, that, is it part of that agenda? Hey, maybe. I wouldn't rule it out. You've probably heard of the, the, the Nestle CEO who, who says that water is, is not really a human right. You know, you've got things like Monsanto. Hell, fluoride in the water. You know, it's all, you can trace it all back to the eugenics and say, yep, uh, they're trying to kill us. They're definitely trying to kill us, or at least make it as hard as possible for us to survive and keep expanding the population. But I don't know. Maybe it is just the wheels of commerce turning like normal. Maybe it is as simple as just following the money. Or maybe everything is a rich man's trick. Maybe that question is really just a matter of perspective, and you can pick either way, and the world makes sense. What I do know for sure, though, is I think it's time for us to take responsibility for our own health, for our family's health, and not keep deferring to science to give us the answer. And that's what I plan to do from now on.